Here's the deal with my papa. All right. Hello and welcome, everyone, to Here's the Deal with uh, Danny Sitters. Danny, here we are. We're sitting down. Uh, thank you for joining us today. How are you doing today? I'm well. Well and alive and ready to go today. Yeah, we took a week off for uh, for a vacation out. Did you, were you able to rest? I know you've been working hard moving and everything. Were you able to rest? We did rest. We had, um, we had three or four days to to just uh, do not much of anything other than hit the golf course. Oh, there you go. Which that wasn't really rest this time because you lay off the, the game of golf for a while. It's not very restful. Well, you true. end up walking a whole lot more <laughs> into the woods and yeah. sand in your in your golf shoes. Oh, man. The, so anyway, but no, it was very nice. Glad to be back and ready to go today. That's awesome. Okay, so on Sunday, you talked about um, your title of the sermon was Who is who, who, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus, yeah. So I wanted to start off by asking you, um, do, recalling when you first discovered who Jesus was. Wow. So, of course, now, I'm a, I'm a PK. I'm a preacher's kid. Right. So from the time I came out of the womb, I was in Bible classes and nurseries and vacation Bible schools and listening to sermons and Sunday night service, okay, Wednesday yeah. night service. So, I mean, I heard about it, okay? When I really, what stands out to me are two instances in it, in it, and it's um, two people. Okay. That, that, that where I really began to see Jesus differently. One was a young man at our church. I must have been um, in, in young high school, ninth, tenth grade. Um, a guy at our church really started taking Jesus seriously and um, helping people around the city. This was down in Louisiana. And um, always talking after church, before church, sharing scripture with me, um, always encouraging me, um, telling me I have a bright future, God's going to use me. Nice. And I hadn't experienced that before. Right. That, that's one. The other is when I got to college and um, I walked on, so there was, it was a state university, one of the many colleges that I went to. I was on the six-year plan to, oh, to get an undergraduate degree. You know, I wanted to experience <laughs> oh, life course. in different universities. Sure. Anyway, <laughs> uh, they had this, um, what you call, a, used to be called Bible Chair, a university student center, Church of Christ. Okay. And I drive into the parking lot there <clears throat> uh, on the first day, and a guy comes walking out of the building, and and he says to me, hi, I'm, I'm Dennis. And I said, well, I'm Danny. He said, yeah, I, I know who you are. We, I heard that uh, you were enrolling here this year and been looking for you. And uh, come on in. I want to introduce you to everybody. And he introduced me to 20 or 30 college kids, college students, that um, took Jesus seriously. And we were involved in all kinds of events across campus and sharing Jesus and um, evangelism, loving people that I didn't know I was capable of loving. And, awesome. Um, so th those are the two. That's when I really began to see maybe a different 
side of Jesus or faith or church life yeah. or ministry than I had seen before. So anyway, long answer, but that's... How about you? That's awesome. Well, for me, totally different. I didn't know who Jesus was until I was in my you know, mid-20s, probably. Uh, you know, met my my wife now, uh, Sarah, and she... Uh, of course, you know, there was seeds being, uh, you know, thrown at me throughout my entire life from the kingdom, from other people, uh, looking back. But didn't really hit until I met Sarah, and then her parents wanted to uh, study with me and I went over there had dinner with him probably I don't know once a week for about a couple months and I probably still have the papers that we all filled out and everything else Um, but really when I discovered who he was I was working I was uh, out in Lancervang at the time I was out in the middle of a field not in the middle of nowhere I was in a cornfield and was going to be eventually turned into a road so I was walking through eight foot tall corn stalks and uh my uh, crew chief had to run back to the work truck to get something, so I was just standing out there by myself. And at that time, being still was something I'd never known what to do with or never known what or even had that opportunity to do. So as I sat there and waited, or I stood there and waited for, oh, man, it seemed like 15, 20 minutes, but it was probably only a few minutes, um, something happened where a couple birds flew over, and I just heard and felt things differently from that time on. And that's when I decided to get baptized. Wow. It was a Wednesday, and that's when... I, I really wish I could describe it more, but I just can't. It's something that came over me, like, something's up. Like, there is something more wow. than just going no, I, through the motions. Yeah, I, I, don't, I can't recall anything like that ever happening to me, but whenever I hear people tell stories like that, I'm like, just be thankful. Yeah. If that was God's way of... Communicating, getting your attention, turning your direction in life, uh, be thankful for it. Yeah, definitely. Well, so no lightning struck or anything? No. That was actually a beautiful, beautiful day. Yeah. I just remember standing out, being, being still. Like I said, that's, I think that was the thing. Because mm-hmm. I never had the opportunity to wow. do that. So Great story. It leads into a question. You brought up in your sermon, a great sermon, by the way. Um, Thank you. She said, religious people have a difficulty accepting new wine. And that really, I wrote that down in my Bible because uh, that was a note that really that stuck with me. So when I wanted you to expand on that, if you could. Wow. Um, so what, are we, what I was trying to do with the sermon is, again, the question is, who is Jesus? And we've been looking at the, the Gospels and taking a, again, the word I've used probably too many times, an overview of Jesus, you know, as a storyteller, a preacher, a healer, um, you know, um, how you Jesus felt. You did one week. What's that? You did partier one week. Yeah, party man. <laughs> uh, how Jesus views family. And again, stacking all these particular stories and, and verses. And it, and, and it paints a picture Um who is this guy? What is he really all about? And I like your opening question. When did you really come to know Jesus? Yeah. I, I will tell you that um, for, for better or worse, I'm really through this series, I'm beginning to see Jesus in newer ways. Awesome. 
thinking through it when you when you just focus in on him and, and look at it every week and, and, and read about it and look at this story and then how does that story compare to this story and what about what he said here and and how is it similar to what he said here but how is it also different you know um, you know again like my I, I didn't come bring peace but a sword and at yeah. the end he said my peace I leave with you right. not as the world gives peace but but I give you my peace you know that's He's a very intriguing person, a very intriguing God, uh, somewhat mysterious, somewhat shrouded. Mm. Hey, let me heal you, but hey, don't don't go tell anybody. Right. Let's don't let's don't tell anybody right now. Right? My hour has not come. My time has not come. Um, you know, and and so I think we all have expectations and perceptions i think i use those two words yeah the the reality of jesus versus our perception and our expectation of who jesus is and so yeah in my growing up years you know again and i can only speak for myself um going to church following jesus was about following the rules Mm, it's as simple as that Make sure you do these things, you know, make sure you go to church this many times a month. Make sure you worship this particular way, um, you know, and make sure you don't do all of the things that are outlawed, right, you yeah. know, within within the church and, 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 and don't violate Scripture. And um, and hopefully that's enough to, to get you saved. Mm. You know, so, I mean, that's, now that's not everybody. Right. Th- that's me. That's the, and and so not only did I believe it, but I think I can make the case, make the argument that that was also modeled to me from other people. Yeah. So, in the big picture, for many of us, we just have, um, what we've done is we've we've replaced the idea of religion with Jesus as our religion. Mm. Now, and when I say that, I mean religion is this idea of the do's and don'ts to keep God off your back. Yeah. What do I have to do to appease the gods? What, so if you go back in ancient times, what must we do to get rain so that our crops don't die? Right. What must we do to keep the gods from, you know, um, making war against us? And um, let's get the gods to make war against our enemies, right? So that, that that's a mentality of, so we sacrifice and, you know, smoke peace pipes and do right. rain dances and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. That all ties into the idea of religion. There are There is a god or there are gods. And um, we want to stay on their good side. What do we do? Yeah. What What do they expect of us? And so then, for me, when I came to uh, Christianity, uh, Jesus just became the next God to appease. Okay. Go to the right church, say the right things, believe the right doctrine, worship the correct way. Don't do all this list of of biblical sins and social sins mm. and family respectability or disrespectability sins right um, and hope that's enough in the end 
And as I've said, um, being in ministry for, oh heavens, 25 years, nice. have, uh, and I've said this before, I've, I've talked to people, many people on their deathbed right before they die. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many of them who are good people, who love Jesus, have point blank looked at me and asked me before they take their last breath, you know, at some point in the near future, am I going to make it to heaven? Wow. Am I going to make it? And so, of course, my answer, as I've, again, as I've said before, is look, um, if you don't make it, none of us are. Yeah. Because what's getting you there is the grace of Jesus Christ, yep. not your good works. It's grace. That's you love right. Jesus. You gave your life to Jesus because he gave his life for you. Ah, uh, yeah, we'll all be together, you know, in the end. Um, and, and my point there is that this this idea of following Jesus as a religion hmm. doesn't lead to peace. Um, religion wants to constantly turn up the restrictions and the qualifications. You know, it's like the uh, book that we're that we're going through on Wednesday night, uh, Peak of the Week, yeah. um, Twelve Steps for a Recovering Pharisee. Uh, there's a real tendency for us viewing Jesus through the religious lens to become Pharisees. Yeah, true. We want to turn it up on people. You, you don't believe enough. You don't. You're not committed enough. You know. You don't understand the fundamentals uh, well enough. Yes. You don't worship with the right sign out on the street. You know, you know all of those. Um, <clears throat> you know, I've often wondered, and I'm kind of just going off on a tangent, since, but, but it's your fault. You asked the question. Oh, I've yeah. often wondered, <clears throat> would, um, would somebody like the Apostle Paul be accepted in our churches today um, because of his lifestyle, his, um, his reputation, his... Um, you know, a, a murderer. Yeah. Uh, but even closer to home, would Jesus be accepted in our churches mm. because of the way he lived yeah. and the people that he hung around? And so it's it's interesting to me that, again, my own perception is that over time— Right, and so I've got my hands. If you're listening, I've got my hands out wide right now. Over time, what it meant um, to to honor God and how to live was, you know, out here this far. And as we go through time, it becomes more narrow and narrow. And now, by the way, I've got my hands very close together. Um, you know, so we read we we read those stories in the Old Testament, right? Take David, King oh, David. Okay. Right, a man after God's own heart. Yes, probably most listeners today could list um, what he did yes. that would disqualify him, you know, to some degree sure. from, from being that. And yet, what do we remember when we say King David, a man after God's own heart? That's right. Um, religion kind of keeps chipping away at that, and I would agree. David was a man after God's own heart, messed up royally. Yeah. King David like messing that. up royally. That was that's very good. That was very good. <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, yeah, he did. 
and, and, and yet that's what that, that, that's how we consider him. Um, so you know, to say all that to come back to who who is Jesus? Right. So so we're wanting we want to be. Um, certain and comfortable and for sure. Mm. All right, and so we read Jesus with, okay, what, you know, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Well, what are those commandments? Give us those commandments so that we can make sure that we love Jesus and Jesus loves us. And uh, we got to obey the commandments. One right? through we five want, and six through ten. Yeah, we want, yeah, <laughs> we want the, the, the list of, of, of commandments. Yet, in, in attempting to live, in attempting to follow Jesus that way, again, when we get to the end of our lives, it leaves a lot of doubt. Mm. Because let, let's be real honest, you, you could have done one more thing. Yeah. If I did 10 things in my life, could, couldn't you have done 11? Yeah, that's true. You know, can you do 12? I mean, where does it end? It, it, it doesn't end. Yeah. Um, at some point in my life, I'm going to have wrong doctrine. Mm. Not not intentionally. No, definitely not. I'm going to maybe worship with a bad motive one day, yeah. a selfish motive. I'm going to take communion and not think about it. I mean, there's a possibility. I mean, yeah. right? So, I'm always going to, there's something that I lack. But that is what, that's how Jesus was taught to me. Now, he did go around and he loved people and he raised the dead, but at the end of the day, it was, you know what, I'm going to the cross to die for you and you better live your life right. Mm. So, um, I, I see that in our expectation of Jesus. Well, you know, so we tried to make this point that the disciples couldn't figure out Jesus as Messiah. Right. Right. <laughs> the greatest thing we always do. Those guys couldn't get it. <laughs> couldn't get it. They had an idea of who Messiah was mm. going to be, and it was, again, militaristic Messiah, overthrow Rome, put Israel back on the throne in Jerusalem and on David's throne and rule with an iron fist and, 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 and give us back our rightful place in God's world. And uh, to do that, you have to fight and you pick up the sword and, you know, and, and so they didn't get it. And I'm not sure I got it. I'm not sure I get it. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, now let's just bring this right down to where we are. America is a Christian nation yeah. founded on Christian principles, and we've got to make sure that we stand up and keep it there. And um, right, well, how do you do that? Well, you know, you go out and course you vote and and you've got to have a strong military and and you have to resist at times and you know you know what I'm saying all those things that go um, with with this idea of so so Israel thought they were God's chosen nation and America tends to think we are God's chosen nation and yes. and um, so they, they couldn't get I don't know that we get it and by the way I don't know the answers 
So I have these conversations, by the way, in the back of the church after every time I preach, and they say, man, you know, you really, you got me thinking, what, what, what are we supposed to do? I say, I, I don't really know. Yeah. I, it's, it's, it's all I've ever known. But they couldn't figure out that Jesus came to, to live, I mean, a radically different life, to go anywhere, to be with anybody, uh, to love all, hmm. to turn this world right side up, regardless of what religious people thought, to teach a, a, a message of the kingdom of God, um, which is, um, here, here's God's kingdom, here's God's rule, and uh, you, you're welcome to participate in it if you choose to. There are certain rules, guidelines, commandments about the kingdom of God. Um, but he didn't function according to how the disciples and, and other people thought Messiah was going to function. Yeah. It was a religious idea, a religious mentality. And he came as love, the suffering servant, the one willing to lay his life down on the cross uh, and, and, and not seek revenge and, and not seek um, harm or pick up the sword. Mm. So, so I talked about on the cross, you know, Jesus there, and, and several people are saying, hey, if you're, if you're the Savior, if you're king of the Jews, come on down off that cross. Call down the 10,000 angels. Fight. Stand up for, you know, show us. If you really want us to take you seriously, show us. Yeah. Fight. He doesn't. He dies. Um, we looked at um, at the trial of Jesus and Barabbas. Mm, yes. And again, I would say go go do your your background work on that because there's a real possibility. Some of the manuscripts have this that you have with Pilate. You have Jesus the Christ on one side and Jesus Barabbas on the other side. And right, so Jesus the Messiah, the true Messiah, and Jesus Barabbas on the other side. Say, wow. Yeah, some manuscripts have that in there. Well, Jesus, same name, Barabbas, it, it literally means son of Abba. Jesus, the true Messiah, or Jesus, son of the Father, or Jesus, son of God. Yeah. Which one do you want? Well, Barabbas just happened to be an insurrectionist. Mm. He's a fighter. He rallies the troops. He gets people out there to take action, and they did hit the streets, and they tried to take on Rome, and um, they, they killed, and they harmed, and they burned, and they made people suffer. Um, but, but he was championed a hero. Yeah. So you got Jesus, the true Messiah, Jesus Christ, and Jesus Barabbas, and they asked the crowd, which one do you want? Which one do you want to, to let go? Mm. Which one do you want to? And they chose Barabbas. I, I wonder how many times I still choose Barabbas. That's See, true. that's what I want in religion and Christianity and and my faith. And I mean, be a spiritual sword fighter and stand up for the rights and the truth. And Jesus just stands there. And I wonder what he. Th I wonder what he was thinking. Wonder what he thought. Now he knew this, right? Yeah. He knows this, but how sad that must be that he spent all this time trying to show them, just loving everybody, teaching nonviolent, nonviolent approach, and, then, and they just don't get it. 
And, and the crowd even says, you know what? Crucify this Jesus Messiah and let his blood be on us. Well, that's a pretty radical thing to say. It's that's like true. saying, to, uh, let his blood be on us in generations that come. Yeah. Oof. 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 That's a tough one. Um, so I'm actually now absolutely forgot what the question was. Oh, about new wine. About new wine, yes. Why is it religious people have trouble yeah. accepting new wine? So... Now that you say, okay, wait, Jesus is is different from maybe what I've been taught, and I'm I'm I would be considered one of the religious, and and and, and so I I begin to see different things about Jesus and the way he lived and what he was about, and yeah, it's a challenge. What do I do differently now? How how do I change? Yeah, you see, if I'm if I'm seeing Jesus differently. A, a truer version, so to speak, yeah. of Jesus, that means I got to change. Well, look, I'm just going to tell you again from my perspective. My grandma knew Jesus, and my dad and mom, and my grandpa, and my mom and dad knew Jesus. My dad preached for forever, you know, and I'm now 56 years old. I've known Jesus. What is this new wine stuff that you know you're talking about? Yeah, I thought it got better with age. Yeah, I've got it. I don't. Why do I need to change? Why do I need to rethink my life? Why do we need to rethink church, ministry? We, we look. This goes back a long time. Yeah, you know, you you new wine people are just wanting to change for the sake of change. How Ooh. many times have we heard that? Yes. Well, what if that gets us closer to Jesus? Mm. So I think I think that's why. Yeah, we get comfortable. So I brought up in the sermon if you, the the challenge that we have. We're talking about this in Bible class as we're going through First um, Timothy, and yeah. that's a really great letter, but it's also challenging. Our challenge is the. The comfort of our conviction, and by the way, I borrowed this. I don't know where I would give credit. The comfort of our conviction versus the discomfort of our doubt. Oh, love that. Right. So we all have conviction, right? Conviction, I know, you know, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus died on the cross. What, what, but but it goes, it, it's, it's much broader than that. It can go in many directions. But we, we get comfortable with that. And often, when, when I listen to a lesson, a sermon, on radio, on the internet, in person, I'm listening for the person to acknowledge my already existing convictions, mm. what yeah. I already believe, because right. that's comfortable. Because when they don't, I get uncomfortable. Yeah, you change position in your seat and everything. Yeah, because you're challenging my conviction. Yeah. I don't want to doubt. I don't like the discomfort of doubt and, and, and questions. Again, because for many of us, um, when it came to the Bible and Jesus and church and the epistles, you know, the letters, everything was black or white, right or wrong. And if it's right, it was equated to salvation, and if it was wrong, it was equated to no salvation. Hmm. Okay. Eternal damnation. Yeah. I got to be right. I got to be right. Yes. So if I have, 
solved that in my own mind, and that's my conviction, and you come along and say, oh, not so fast, uh, think of it this way. What happens um, uh, subconsciously is I begin to question my salvation mm. because of the way that I was taught. Right. Right or wrong, black or white, saved or not saved. Not, not, not necessarily the case. So I like the comfort of my conviction over the discomfort of my doubt. Yeah. And that's why I think there's another reason why we struggle with um, um, adding new wine to our wineskins as Christians. Yeah. I wonder why we're we're sitting here talking about if if we, religion as, as as a whole here as a church, have created an expectation of... Well, I guarantee with the past year and a half, you know, we, we basically trained people to sit at home and watch content online. And now we're, you know, struggling to get people to come back to the building. So I'm wondering if, if over time we have created certain expectations that people who want to visit church or who have gone to church, have, uh, we've done that plenty of times over the years. And of course, you know, I'm, I'm, I've only been uh, going to church here for I was baptized in, wow, 2008, 2009. So, yeah, not very long, 13 years. Yeah. Yeah. Do we set expectations for people? And the answer is absolutely. So when you, if you pay attention to what I call church life or church systems. Okay, yeah. Um, you have written rules and you have unwritten rules, mm. like kind of like baseball. Right. So baseball has the rules, the written rules, and the unwritten rules. Right. So if um, it, when, when I played baseball, if you cranked a home run and you stood there and admired it going out of the park, right, there's an unwritten rule. The next time that you come to the plate, you better be ready to duck because the ball is coming at your head <laughs> until the pitcher hits you. Yes. That's unwritten. Yeah. You know, they're all kind of, and so they have their own set of unwritten rules. So does the church. So do we. Yeah. And, and so those unwritten rules come about to some degree by observation of behavior. Mm, okay. We watch. We, we, we figured this out. We see how is a person supposed to worship, live their lives, what do we talk about, um, where do we go, where do we not go, how do we position ourselves in society, you know, those type of things. You won't find them in the church bylaws, right. you won't find them within scripture, they're just, they just are, they're, they're, yeah, we set expectations. And by the way, it takes time to change that. Yeah. See, that's one of the reasons why you can say, okay, church, we're going to do a six-week study on this, and we're going to change some things about this church, and the people listen to it, and they're like, man, that's good stuff. Man, that's great content, and, you know, that I think that might work. And you turn around, you know, after you're done with the series, and six months later, a year later, nothing's changed. Uh, why? Because you're battling this, what you refer to as expectations, the unwritten rules. So yeah. that's a great idea. We just don't do that. You know, that's not us. Yeah. So, but you referred to over the last year and a half. Yeah. Yeah, we've set a level of expectation. 
um, you know, part of it is um, what we call the law of unintended consequences. Right, yeah. Well, what, we, we, we didn't have a choice. Yeah. We wanted to continue being the church and checking in on our people and encouraging people and having worship online and nobody could be here. And yeah, I think it was a tremendous response. I think the church... I think the church, and I think you could say it worldwide, the church responded beautifully. Oh, yes. Definitely. And went to work quick mm-hmm. and made rapid change. Yes. Necessary change and um, great benefit. Um, you know, I mean, think of. Think of the, uh, you know, the other side of that. We could have just been isolated for a year and a half, not seeing each other, right. worshiping together, even even online. So I think there were great benefit of that. But yeah, now now a year and a half later, almost two years later, yeah, the expectation, um, unintended consequences, is is you know. Do, do we stand up and go, all right, now it's mandatory that everybody come back to church, and if you're not back at church, you, you don't love Jesus. No, mm. you know, I, don't, I don't think we do that. There's some that it's just not the right time for. Um, and, and so, you know, and, and, and by the way, only, only I can make that determination for my own life, Correct. meaning I have to be honest about yeah. it. Are there some that say, hey, Love drinking coffee and sitting in my pajamas and what? Yeah, that, that that could be together. Yeah. Are there some things that you just cannot get during worship watching the TV screen? Yes. Absolutely, you can't. You can't get the the hugs and the smiles and the conversations and you, you can't get it. The singing, the worship, mm. unbelievable in 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 person. So yeah, we, we have. What does the church look like going forward? You know, we've been saying that, we've been asking that. I don't know. We're we're in the we're in the middle of it, moving forward. Yes. But yeah, we've set expectations uh, for people. Uh, you know, we love to be together to worship. I think everybody would say that. You know, I, I, I well, most people would. Yeah. But yeah, things have changed. I mean, the world has changed. Church life has changed. Worship has changed. The, the church growth experts are telling us anywhere from 20 to 40% of people will not come back to your building. Those days are gone. And so do, do we, and I think we do, we begin to function on what, what might be referred to as baseline. Who do we have now? Mm-hmm. That's our church. right? Not to exclude anybody, but to think of, you know, let, let, let's say pre-COVID, your church was 500. And now you don't view your church as a church of 500. You would view your church, let's say for them, as a church of 300. And you budget and you minister and you you think according to those lines. There you go. Not what you were, but what you are now. Well, see, that's new wine. Yeah, there you go. See, that's, that's new wine. And that's uncomfortable for us. We, we don't... No, one day it's all going to go back and we're all going to be back together the way it was. Right. Uh, no, I, I don't, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. No. I know, I've, I've, just me personally, I've wondered the 20 to 40% that we hear experts talking about not that are, aren't coming back. I've wondered if those were the ones that didn't really see church as an experience. Because when I come to church, it's an experience. Everything. From like we were talking about hugs, the singing, 
the, the scripture that I hear, the communion that I get to take, all that stuff is all wrapped up in the experience. And I've always wondered if those 20 to 40% are the ones that didn't see it like that and they came to check the box. Say, oh, well, I got I did my Sunday thing. I put my dollar or my check in the, if anybody writes checks anymore, <laughs> money to put, I put it in the plate to go when it, when it came around. And, you know, I checked the box this week. And I, that's just me personally thinking out loud. Um, I've, I've wondered that, you know, mm-hmm. to see if that's what, if that's what it is. Yeah, and it could be. Um, but again, I, I, I don't know that, you know, I think we have to be careful throwing a blanket, putting everybody under the same umbrella. Oh, it, sure. It would be that for some. Yeah. For, for others, again, it's, you know, um, it, it, it's not the right time. And by the way, there are great benefits to online strategy in reaching other people that we would never have access to reach. Oh, now. definitely. So there's both, there's give and take yeah. on both of this, on both sides of this great benefit uh challenge to the old way of doing things but but challenge to fellowship yeah there you go so that would lead to a great question what's most important in life what's most important right now and again i'm not gonna i'm not going there i'm not gonna say for you what but that'd be a great question what's most important to me and why that, that I think has to be answered. I like that. You know? So, well, I think that's a great place to end this episode. Let's end it. So, so uh, before we go though, I do want to see: Do you have anything working for this Sunday? Have anything in, in, to prepare prepare us for? Yes, I'm praying. Okay, that's good. All right. <laughs> I, not there yet. So, yes, it, it'll be there by Sunday. But I uh, got some ideas, but not sure yet. I love that. All right, I'm looking forward to it. And so we got Peak of the Week on Wednesday again. I was able to do that the past two weeks. That was that's a really good book. That's a really good read. Yes. So um, anybody who has a chance to to come on Wednesday nights and or join us on Zoom, please do. It's a, it's a really cool class. I like that book. Yeah. Um, and I was able to play some games with the adults, which I always love doing when I come over and, and teach the adults. It's always fun to do that. Um, if you guys have any questions uh, for Danny about his sermons or anything else, uh, don't forget to send them to hcocdigitalmedia at gmail.com, and we'll get those answered for you. Danny, thank you again for sitting down with me. Uh, You're welcome. Have a great week, brother. We'll thank see you. Thank you. You too. God bless.